But if you're actively training for something, you don't want to even eat that. You, you need to eat even more than that. You want to at least replace the carbohydrate portion from your exercise so that you have enough building blocks to repair and rebuild. Most running injuries are a combination, obviously, of overloading, but also of underfueling. Right. So that yep. combination is is super dangerous. Right. If you don't give yourself the building blocks and you're you're overloading beyond a point that you can recover. We always say that the only workout that matters is the one that you can recover from. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury free or get out of the constant injury cycle? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Hey, healthy runners, are you ready for your glow up? Have you guys heard the news yet? Knox Gear's signature product, the Tracer, which I have been glowing about, see what I did there, for the better part of nine months now, has just been re-engineered for a better fit, higher visibility, more color modes, and twice the LEDs for your brightest move yet with the Tracer 2. All of our healthy runners use Knox Gear during this time of the year when the days are getting shorter in order to get in those runs, even if it is dark outside. One of my pet peeves is when I'm driving and I don't see a runner until the last minute because they're not visible because they're not using Knox Gear. We're all about runner health on this podcast and Knox Gear's Tracer 2 is an essential running tool to keep you safe and visible while running. The Tracer 2 keeps me lit up from all directions during my 5.30 a.m. runs, and I always get shout-outs and comments from other walkers and people traveling in cars because they notice the light display I'm giving off. If you are looking for running gear that will actually help you stay safe while running, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 35% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to noxgear.com. That's N-O-X-G-E-A-R dot com and use the code HEALTHYRUNNER at checkout to save 35% off. Go ahead and give Knox Gear a try. Trust me, you will never feel safer running. What is metabolic testing and should you get it done to help your running? That is what we're talking about today. Welcome to episode 149 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I am joined by a PT colleague of mine, Dr. Cameron Garber, is a physical therapist, owner of Body Smart in South Ogden, Utah, and host of the Running Unbroken podcast. Cameron is passionate about helping people run pain-free, feel young, and live life so they can say yes to everything they want to do. 
He is a doctor of physical therapy who got tired of the sick care system and set out to change it. So what he found was that easy running and steady strength training are the time-tested strategies for long-term health and being able to do all the things you love to do. So he helps people run, even if they don't think of themselves as runners. Um, he uses specially designed metabolic testing to see exactly what someone needs to do for their body to maximize their results from every workout. At BodySmart, Cameron and his team really focus on helping people live and feel strongly about five healthy life patterns, activity, eating, sleep, stress, and happiness. If people can get their patterns right in those areas, they can see success. So obviously everything that I just mentioned, we are huge believers here on the Healthy Runner podcast. So I am very, very excited to get to chat with you today, Cameron. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was that was perfect. That's a great uh, way of saying it. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here, and you know I I follow you closely because you're doing so many of the things that I'm just like, oh, that's he's doing it so well. So I'm I'm excited to get a chat with you again today. Awesome, and guys, in this episode, Cameron's really going to share his knowledge and expertise, really, as it relates to metabolic testing for runners. So we're gonna cover like what does metabolic testing tell you? Why is a metabolic test important? You know, should you get a metabolic test. How is a metabolic test done? And what is the difference between a metabolic test and a VO2 max and threshold testing? And then how much does metabolic testing cost? These are honestly all questions that I want to know the answers to myself um, because I really don't know a lot about this topic at all. So yeah, I am excited to get into this. So Cameron on the show, um, we always start with a little dynamic warm up, just like we would before our run. So if you can tell nice. the listeners, you know, where you call home and give us a little bit of backstory on really how you've gotten to this point in your, you know, career and running journey. Yeah. Well, so, you know, career wise, I started actually, uh, at the university of Utah hospital, I was the stroke team lead and was tasked with building a wellness program as part of that. So like we'd built the stroke team and, and really our outpatient neuro from, I was the only outpatient neurotherapist in, in our location. And then we had like two more up at another location we combined. And we went from the three of us to like nine of us and, and grew this and it was awesome. And I, as part of that was building this wellness program. And I thought, well, heck we are on the wrong end of wellness. Like they've already had a stroke at this point. Why don't we like have a wellness program where we prevent the stroke in the first place? And I had a mentor through school, uh, Julie Knighton, whose practice I eventually bought. And that's what this is. It was uh, turned it into Body Smart. Um, but she taught me how to do this metabolic testing. And I'd kind of worked on the side with her on some projects of promoting the metabolic testing because I thought it was such a cool thing. And so eye-opening for me. And so I went to the university and I said, hey, I'm going to buy this equipment. You know, I'm going to invest like 20,000 of my own dollars and I'd like to invest my time as well. My days off on Thursdays and Saturday mornings and create this, you know, like stroke prevention wellness program with the hospital. I got on an interdisciplinary board with, you know, bariatrics and family medicine and, you know, all these other departments, uh, dietetics and 
And uh, eventually the word was no, like, ah, we don't have time. We don't have the resources to put behind it. It's like, we just bought like 10 different $100,000 pieces of equipment. Like, what do you mean we don't have time or resources? And, and I was donating the time and resources. So anyway, just large institutions, I realized like I'm an idea guy and I want to change things and this maybe isn't the right setting. So I still bought the equipment and just kind of went out on my own. And long story short, eventually I wound up buying my own practice. So Julie Knight and physical therapy that we turned into Body Smart, where I could kind of fulfill that dream of, of pursuing it the way I wanted to and helping people lead that fit, healthy, active lifestyle and prevent all of those things. Uh, but, but change the focus of it from being on weight on the scale or even, or even get healthier to like enjoy my life more, do the things that I love to do, be the person I want to be for as long as I can, can be that right. We are definitely not, you know, 30 day challenge, you know, emphasis, uh, type programs. We are like, let's help you build a 30 year plan that you, so you can do this till you're 85, right? Like that's kind of our, our mentality. And, and I guess metabolic testing fits in that, in that it helps you to know what to do for your body. So actually I was pretty skeptical of it at first when I was first introduced to it. So I did it in school, like the VO2 max test that you have to do as part of school and everything. I was one of the test dummies and just about killed myself. Uh, cause, cause, uh, one of my classmates was a collegiate runner, uh, and was still like winning local five K's, 10 K's, things like that pretty fast. And, but we were about the same height and build and whatever. So I hopped on the treadmill right after him and he got like a 62 or 63. I was like, well, I can, I can do that. If he got it, I can. And I did. The difference was, and this is why VO2 max, and we'll talk about that later, why VO2 max doesn't really matter. I got the same VO2 max score as he did. He got off the treadmill and was like, whew, that was tough. I got off and was white as a ghost. They had to check my blood sugar and give me food. I laid down for like 45 minutes. Like it almost killed me and he was fine, right? So we got the same number, but like in a race, he would have smoked me no problem. That was the difference, right? Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, that could... You know, I'm sure it was probably not a very uh, fun day for you. No. And yeah, we're definitely going to get into all of that because I'm really interested to hear the differences between those two. I love how your story, you know, did start from really this kind of pain point of having, you know, these larger institutions. And I always love this, right? Like you, you work in a large institution and they're like, oh, we got more money in the budget. Like what, you know, capital purchases can we do for the years over? You know, how, how expensive of a piece of equipment can we right. do to like treat someone after the fact versus like you mentioned, you know, hey, we have all this money here. You know what? Why don't we actually start that prevention right. program we've been talking about or, you know, thinking about versus spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some of these uh, pieces of equipment that are, like you said, you know, kind of feeding into the sick care model and just yeah. working on treatment versus preventing things. So I love that, you know, you started your practice out of that, you know, eye of how can I prevent, you know, some of these injuries and how can we promote the well-being of our society so we can do the things that we love until we're 85. 
Right. Whereas I like to say, you know, running until I'm in the box and uh, totally. So yeah. I, I love it. I love it. So as far as running is concerned, do you run yourself? Oh, totally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm what I consider an adult onset runner. So yes. I actually hated running, uh, cause I grew up in kind of the traditional team sports model, right? So baseball, basketball, football, soccer, loved all those sports, but running for those is a punishment, right? You screw up, you go run laps, you, you know, like it, it was always used as some kind of punishment versus let's give you that edge to beat your competitors. Let's have you be the fittest one on the court. Let's, you know, the mentality behind it was like, oh, you screwed up, go run laps. So I hated running. I could run. I was actually a really good runner during baseball tryouts. Um, the coach said, hey, like you can really improve your station by how hard you work here. So I made it a point to lap every single person at least twice. And most of them I lapped three times. So we had to just in a half hour, we had to run around the the outside perimeter of the baseball field. So I lapped everybody at least twice. So like I, I could run. I was actually pretty good. And I also ran a four three nine forty that day, too. So like I was fast and like could at least will myself. I could suffer enough to beat other people. But but without really running much, and I, I honestly hated it. And then my wife, who's a really good marathoner, has never not qualified for Boston. Wow. And and has run lots of marathons. Actually, Boston are, is the only marathon that she didn't qualify for Boston was running Boston because she got really sick right before. It was really sad. So she ran it like pumped full of drugs. And <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Was that the only time she did run Boston? No, or she's run she... it again. Since. Oh, good, yeah. good. Yeah. So anyway, so I went on a run with her and we ran up in the, in the mountains on vacation one time and I ran eight miles with her. And she's like, how is that even possible? That's not even fair that you can run eight miles totally like you never run and you can just come and run eight miles. I was like, well, yeah, if you run this slow. And she stopped and was like, what do you think distance running is? You're not running <laughs> as fast as you can all the time. I was like, oh, really? Like that, I guess it just never occurred to me. To me, fitness and exercise and running had to be like all out. You go as hard as you can and leave it all out there type of a thing. Because that's what team sports teaches you, right? It doesn't yep. teach you like go enjoy the, the workout. It's like, no, work as hard as you can. So you can like kill everybody else. And, and so <laughs> that was kind of this mentality I had. So that event kind of lined up with, uh, when I came to see Julie Knighton for my clinical rotation and she preached this 70, 30. So it wasn't quite the 80, 20. That's kind of in the research. Now she preached more of a 70, 30 plan of 70% of the time, just slow, steady, easy, and 30% of the time, higher intensity. And I was like, that doesn't track. You know, that's not what my coach has always told me. <laughs> right. And so I did my first metabolic test and she showed me how I burned fat versus carbohydrate and where my zones really should be and whatever. And, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. I had been through grad school and had put on some weight. I wasn't really overweight, just put on weight for me. I mean, I graduated high school at like a buck 20. So I was a pretty skinny dude just naturally, but had gotten up to about 165. And in the last eight weeks of that 10 week internship, I dropped 20 pounds just by like running slow. It was great. Now, the caveat there is I was a 26, 27 year old male. So like the fat burning machine is pretty high at 26, 27. 
but but that was like oh my gosh i changed my health and my my fitness level dramatically with very few high intensity efforts and mostly just walking and then i switched up my lunches instead of going to little caesars and buying a pizza and eating 3500 <laughs> calories i started going and buying massive salads or like whole like spaghetti squash or other things like that. So I'd eat a huge volume of food, but it was all just like something natural. And just for lunch, the rest of my diet stayed the same. And I dropped 20 pounds in, in like that eight weeks results, not typical, but, (laughs) but it was, it was crazy to me that that just switching up the way I exercised made all the difference. And I wasn't hungry. I wasn't fatigued. I wasn't tired. I could, I could work out every single day. Whereas before, if I had run at all, I'd have to take days off in between because I went as hard as I could. So I was like, okay, so there's something to this metabolic testing. And and one of the biggest keys was finding those accurate heart rate zones that okay. you could learn where for your body at that point in time. And so it changes over time and you need to retest and whatnot, but you can mm-hmm. find out exactly where those heart rate zones are. And so if you've ever tried heart rate training before, so it gets kind of a bad rap because people have tried it and it's like, oh, it didn't work for me. I got slower or, or I still felt like I was working out too hard or whatever. The problem is, is that the numbers are bad, that the ways of getting your heart rate zones are typically not great. And so the metabolic testing gives you this objective way that is based on your body versus um, just averages, estimates, calculators to get those heart rate zones, which the ACSM did one study and most of the calculators are between like 15 and 33% off. So when you're talking heart rate zones, like 10 beats per minute, you can go from burning 60% fat to 40% fat in, in just a 10 beats per minute swing. And so that can be really pretty huge in terms of the fatigue related to that and things like that. So getting those zones dialed in accurately according to your body is really, really important. Okay. So I definitely want to learn more about that. Yeah. So if you had to, you know, kind of say like, what does the actual metabolic or how about this? Let's, let's set the table here because there's probably some that have no clue what this, you know, how a metabolic test is done. Maybe describe to us how a metabolic test is done. And then we could talk about like what it tells us. Sure. Sure. Okay. So metabolic test is... If you have to do an emissions test for your car, right? So they, they stick a probe in your tailpipe of your car and they measure the, the combustion of what your engine just did. So it can measure how much, you know, soot is still in the air, how much oxygen, carbon dioxide, whatever, how clean it burned, right? Mm-hmm. We can do the same thing with the human body. Luckily, we don't deal with tailpipes. We put a mask on your face and have you breathe out. And what you breathe out tells us how you burned calories. So the amount of oxygen that you consumed, so that's that VO2 number, is the amount of oxygen you consume um, versus the amount of carbon dioxide you produce in consuming those calories. So, you know, carbohydrates have that carbon backbone. So there's more carbons per, you know, molecule than a fat calorie, right? Or a fat cell uh, or a fat molecule. And so as you break that down, there's more byproduct of carbon dioxide, whereas a fat molecule really burns very efficiently. And so 
you produce this carbon dioxide, that's actually what makes us breathe heavier, our heartbeat harder, things like that. As we're exercising is carbon dioxide starts to build up in your blood. It makes your blood acidic. And so to bring the pH of your blood back up, these chemoreceptors in your neck here, as you start running, trigger and say, oh, I need the heart to beat harder. I need you to start breathing heavier so we can blow off all of this excess carbon dioxide. It's really not about getting more oxygen in, especially at, at the first part of exercise. It's more about blowing carbon dioxide off. And then at high intensity, that's what it's all about, is getting rid of carbon dioxide to try to buffer your blood. So mm. that's a really nerdy explanation. So what we can do, though, is take that ratio of the carbon dioxide you're producing and the oxygen that you're consuming. And we look at that and there is what's called the respiratory quotient or the respiratory exchange ratio. And that number tells us how much fat versus how much carbon dioxide or uh, carbohydrate that you're burning. So we can look at at any given heart rate range how much fat and carbon dioxide you're burning uh, or carbo carbohydrate you're burning. And what that tells us is how efficiently you're running. So the average human, so let's take somebody that's kind of average healthy person, 150 pounds, 20% uh, body fat. So relatively you know, thin, healthy person, that person has a hundred and 5,000 calories of fat stored on their body at 20% body fat. So this massive reservoir of unending energy, 105,000 calories. That same person is probably packing somewhere between 16 to 1800 calories worth of carbs on their body. So a relatively small reservoir in comparison, especially for longer efforts like the marathon, right? And so when we wonder why we bonk during a marathon, it's because we typically go at a at an intensity level where we're burning predominantly carbohydrate. And so if you've got six to or 16 to 1800 calories worth of carbs spread throughout your body, you're storing about six to 800 of that in your liver. You've got a little bit in your bloodstream and then the rest is distributed throughout your muscles. But I can't take, you know, glycogen from my bicep and bring it down to my quads or my calves to keep running. And so fat, you can mobilize from your earlobe to your quad if you need to. But, but glycogen, once it's stored in the muscle, that's where it's going to be used. So in your running muscles, you only have a few hundred calories worth of carbs. So you wonder why around that like 16 to 18 mile marker, you, you bonk pretty hard during a marathon. Part of that is you're running out of carbohydrate and you're running mostly on carbohydrate on race day. And so... The liver still has some in reserve, but a lot of, of, you know, taking that goo packet or the Gatorade or, you know, whatever that is, taking some kind of supplement. What that does usually is actually because we're running so hard, our digestion slows. So we get some of that sugar in, but really not all that terribly much. In fact, a lot of those things dehydrate you more than they hydrate or fuel you, but they do trigger your brain to say, okay, liver, we've got more coming. We're going to be okay. You can release that glycogen in the liver. And so it kind of gives us that second wind, that boost, um, things like that. So, and then eventually that sugar does start releasing from your gut, but because digestion is slowed, sometimes, you know, it, it really depends on the intensity and the length of your, of your effort and marathon and whatever, but right. anyway, so 
that's part of the reason why you just can't go as intense for an ultra marathon, for, for example, um, just because the brain starts to slow you down at those higher intensities if you're burning that much carbohydrate because it regulates that and says, I, I can't keep going that long at this intensity. Okay. And so by training your body to burn fat and, and be able to get higher into your heart rate range, so higher intensities of effort, but still burning fat, that's where we unlock your ability to go harder, faster, and, and train better. So when we test elite athletes, um, which I've tested some amazing athletes, it's really fun. You know, the one of the most fun was the 2019 50K US champion. He was a, a long-term patient of ours, and, and uh, he when we test him, he'd be like 175 beats per minute and still burning like 50% fat or better, which is incredible. So he could go so high into his heart rate range and still be very, very effective at burning fat so that his, his fatigue level was, was less, right? Like it, he wasn't going to burn out quite as early because he wasn't tapping into those carbohydrate reserves at the same rate that, that many of the rest of us are. Okay. So, Hold on one second here. Yeah, Cameron, yeah. That, I just, you I just, just said like a whole lot. <laughs> brain dumped. Mm -hmm. Honestly, probably 80% of the information even went over my head because it, it sure. was very technical and scientific. It was. Yeah, so I want to totally. make sure that I'm understanding you correctly so totally. our listeners can understand you as well. So, first off, how we do this metabolic test is we're breathing into, we have like a mass, yep. right? That's connected to a tube, that's connected to a machine. Yep. And that can be at rest or while running when this is taken? Yeah. So we, we do both a resting test and an exercise test. Yeah. So okay. the resting test tells us if you were to just sit in a chair all day long, how many calories would you burn just hanging out in the chair? So that gives us a really good baseline of you shouldn't eat fewer calories than that. Otherwise, you're going to slow your metabolism down. And so a lot of people that are trying to lose weight sabotage themselves by eating too few calories. And so we can measure that and see where should you be in terms of like baseline calories. And then we can add back in for okay. your exercise. That's a, that's a huge point there because I know that is very common in a lot of our runners and our healthy totally. runner dietitian, Brooke, we're very yeah. happy to hear this. Yes. That because we do see under fueling and a lot of people go into running with maybe the goal initially of weight loss yeah. And they're not taking in enough calories. So a metabolic test, a resting metabolic test would give you the actual, it would determine how many calories that you're burning while resting. So you know that you're not taking in less than that because then you'd be under fueling for right. your actual runs. Right. And that would be the absolute basement number of calories to burn. Like you should not ever eat less than that. Otherwise, okay. you're going to slow your metabolism down. But if you're actively training for something, you don't want to even eat that. You, you need to eat even more than that. You want to at least replace the carbohydrate portion from your exercise so that you have enough building blocks to repair and rebuild. Most running injuries are a combination, obviously, of overloading, but also of underfueling. right? So that yep. combination is, is super dangerous, right? If you don't give yourself the building blocks and you're 
you're overloading beyond a point that you can recover. We always say that the only workout that matters is the one that you can recover from. If you're not fully recovered, you're, you're doing more harm than good. Hi, my name is Sheila and I just want to tell you guys about my experience working with Dwayne Scotty as my personal running coach. You know, I was an athlete my whole life. I was a division one collegiate volleyball player, a soccer player for 20 years, a crossfitter, uh, and hated running. <laughs> I thought it was boring and um, I didn't think that you'd get your heart rate up enough to, to get the cardio that you necessarily needed unless you were doing long distance. And so I didn't like long distance. If I ran, it was all sprinting and uh, it just wasn't fun to me. But I'm a, I'm a mother of two and my husband is has always been a long distance person. And he came up with the idea of maybe doing a half marathon and, you know, teaching our kids uh, benefits of of running. And so I would go out for little runs here and there just to see if I could enjoy it. And I discovered Dwayne's Healthy Runner podcast. So I started listening to him and his message just really resonated with me. It was all about lifelong injury-free running. And I will say as, as a sprinter before who didn't really like running and I would go out for runs, I would injure myself because I would just go all out and not understand what it meant to build a base. If I was working out in the gym, it wasn't specific for kind of running muscles, with which is the his program for strength training. And so, um, so I started to listen to him and it resonated with me. And I hired him as a run coach and I instantly just... Uh, appreciated him as a person. He's a father of two children. He believes in what he does. He's passionate about it. He's built an incredible community around the Healthy Runner uh, podcast group. And um, I just can't say enough about him as a person, honestly. Um, that was the highlight of our experience. Uh, but I did end up running a half marathon with my husband. And I have to tell you, I ran a sub two hour half marathon for my first time. I had no goals ahead of time except to just finish it and enjoy it. And let me tell you, um, after working with Dwayne, it was an incredible experience. You know, I will say I had a very minor injury in the beginning of our time working together. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would have stopped running and just thought, okay, let's wait for my hamstring to get better in two weeks or so. He was able to actually get me back in the gym to do strength training and it was gone within two days. It was just incredible. It was a great experience with him. He's wonderful. He's so knowledgeable. And, and I can say that I am much more educated about running and something that I plan to do for the rest of my life um, as my form of fitness and something that I plan to teach to my children. So I cannot recommend him enough. What is the difference between the running metabolic test. Why would you do that? And do you always recommend both? Like if you have a runner, would you take a resting and you would do a running metabolic test? Yeah, I, I almost always do. Okay. Occasionally people will be like, no, I'm I'm good. Like I can eat whatever. And, and that can be true for some younger and especially male runners. And so sometimes we don't, but I, I still kind of make the case that yeah, but injuries are still really prevalent. Bone stress injuries are really prevalent. So like you need to make sure you're eating enough. So it's a good idea to get that baseline. Um, the difference there then with the running test and really you can test on any piece of equipment. So you elliptical bike, whatever, but those heart rate results are only going to be applicable to that activity. So that's, you know, if you're a runner, we even switch up the protocol of how you test. And that kind of goes to, to some of those other points. Um, but like we don't do your grandma's VO2 max test, 
right? So we, we don't even call it VO2 max test because we do a metabolic test. We're looking specifically at your metabolism versus that VO2 max number because we want to see how you're using calories. And so we try to match. If you're a trail runner, we're going to use elevation more than speed. If you're an elite trail runner, we'll do a combination of speed and uh, elevation in the testing protocol. If you're just starting out, if you're a couch to 5K person, we're going to go speed up to a certain point, but probably not get you beyond just a light jog and then use elevation to a certain point. And usually that's enough to kind of max people out. And so we, we really try to match the, the protocol that we're using to the type of running you want to do. And so sometimes people will come in and they have been a road runner forever and, and things like that. And now they want to start trail. So they'll come in to do a test just to see like how the elevation affects their heart rate zones and things like that. And okay. so, yeah, the, the exercise test then allows us to see at, at each kind of stage along the way. So I, when we do it, I want to see your heart rate climb very linearly so that we can see each stage along the way, what is your heart rate doing and what is your metabolism doing so that those two things are actually quite linked together. So when we retest within a certain time window, so you can progress and bump those numbers up. But when we retest the number of, of calories you burn and, and the mix of fat to carbohydrate tends to stick with the certain heart rates pretty closely from test to test. So if we retested somebody like three times in the week, it would be pretty accurate to about the same number of, of that RER or that fat burn percentage number. Okay. And you had mentioned about stored glycogen in our muscles yeah. and there's yeah. only so much of that that we can use. So right. is it best for runners to hold on to that stored glycogen as long as possible during, let's say they're doing a marathon right. or a half marathon. So you do actually want them to be burning fat more efficiently. Is that yep. the goal? Yeah. To improve you, performance. Yeah. So that's, that's where the, the most elite runners in the world can get to is where that high intensity they're sipping on the glycogen from their muscles while they're guzzling the fat, if that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah, as far as the fuel mix ratio, they're, they're really, I think of it kind of like a hybrid car when you're going hard you're running off the gasoline engine and the electric engines just kind of help and push you along a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but at slower speeds and intensities, uh, well, I guess that doesn't really work because at slow speeds and intensities, you run off the, the hybrid engine, but anyway, but that's, you'd like to be able to get to that, I guess, where the, the fat is, is running the show for as long as possible, where for most of us, that's not the case. And so I always talk about, you know, there's all kinds of different zone systems. The simplest way I, I try to break it down for people is there are really three main zones in my kind of opinion is we've got the comfortable zone where essentially I could run this way forever. Like not just, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half. I'm talking like 
four or five hours. I could run in this comfortable zone for virtually ever. Mm -hmm. And then we have our comfortably uncomfortable zone, which is where most of us train. This zone of like, yeah, I can do this for about 30 to 90 minutes, but I'm going to be tired afterward. I'll be kind of hungry. Yeah, it's I, I can do it fine. I can do it day after day, but I'm I'm kind of a little beat up from it. Not too bad. Uh, and, and I like the way it makes me feel and everything. It's good for your health and, and whatnot. And then there's the uncomfortably uncomfortable zone. And that's like track workouts or speed workouts. It's it's pushing hard. It's that that anaerobic or threshold type style runs where you're pushing pretty hard. Right. And so really the comfortably uncomfortable zone is where most of us tend to spend our time and yet is the least effective zone of the three. If, so this is like the gray zone that people talk about, right? Yeah. So that the no man's land or the, yeah. there's all kinds of the junk miles or whatever. Yeah. It's where most of us tend to spend our time and, and yet it's the least effective in terms of progress. So it's not that we shouldn't do it per se. Like it's so good for your heart and your lungs and your overall health. It's, it's fine. It's just a zone where you're depleting carbohydrate because you're burning mostly carbohydrate there. So most people are between 40 to about 10% fat burn in that zone. And so they're burning predominantly carbohydrate, which is that fatigable resource more, right? It, it, you can run out of that. And if you don't have that, then it's harder to rebuild tendon, ligament, bone, all those things. And so those repair and recovery gets put on the back burner, especially when we run day in, day out. And so that's why that carbohydrate, you know, why that fuel mix is so important. Not only do we run out during our workout or during our, our uh, race or whatever, can we, can we kind of run low on that? But it also makes it harder to recover and repair because we just have this bigger gap of carbohydrate that we have to repair and replenish. And it's going to put that back into the liver and back into the glycogen stores first as we eat carbohydrate. It's going to repair or it's going to replenish those stores first because that's fight or flight response. That's maintaining our blood sugar. Those are like kind of higher level needs before repairing your tendon or repairing your, you know, plantar fascia or what, you know, whatever that is. And so by, by getting that fuel mix right, it gives us more of a chance to recover and spend more time under load, more time training if we can burn more fat so that it's less like hard on our body. We're depleting ourselves less. And it's a really good indicator that we've built up our capacity to be able to handle the load that we're placing on it with our running. So that's one of the reasons why we love heart rate is heart rate doesn't lie. Heart rate tells us if we're fatigued, if we're lacking sleep, if we're stressed out, if we're dehydrated, if it's a hot day, all those things, heart rate doesn't lie. It's a really good indicator of where we're at internally. So it's very objective. And so pace, like you can, you can have a day where it's like, man, for whatever reason, I feel super fast today or the next day it's, man, I just, I was able to do that pace two days ago and today I just can't even hold it. But what you don't realize is that you didn't sleep very well because you were stressed about your kid's math test that he failed. And that puts more load on your overall system and makes you 
burn fat less effectively because you're more, the whole system is more fatigued. And so if you go out and try to stick to a certain pace, you're actually kind of digging your hole deeper in terms of recovery and your risk of injury climbs. So this is why we love heart rate training and why dialing in your heart rate to the fat burn really like connects your, your body to like, what's going to be best for you on any given day. Okay. So hopefully that this makes is, I know this is like drinking no, from the fire is, hose. It <laughs> is. No, this is great though, because you are making connections in my brain and hopefully in our listeners brain, on, yeah. uh, previous trainings we've done. And then we had a, you know, a deep dive episode on like the math method and yeah. retraining. So I think you're really providing some really good context into kind of more support. And I like how you framed it of, you know, not so much that it needs to stay in this zone, but the why, right? Like Mm -hmm. why is, you know, metabolic testing important is to find these zones that are specific to you. So you stay, you know, within your three main zones from what I heard from you is that comfortable zone is our easy runs. That's where we should be the majority of the time, like 80 right? If yeah. you use an 80, 20 rule, you should be in that comfortable zone. Right. And the most common mistake, especially novice runners make is being going too fast and worrying about right. what it says on their watch and not wanting right. to do a 11 minute mile and a 12 minute mile. I just right. literally had one of my clients, we had this conversation and I yeah. was looking at her easy runs. So I said, you are running these too fast, right? Right. And I was like, I want you to challenge yourself to try and run an 11 minute pace for this first double digit long run that you are going to do in a couple years, right? Right. It's been a couple years since she's done that. And I said, I want you to challenge to actually do that. Like that is your mark. Success is not built upon whether you can run a nine minute, you know, pace for your long run on, you know, Saturday. It is because of what you're talking about here. Right. And and I love how you kind of tied it into the strain on our bodies and stress and sleep and all that impacts. And it's going to throw whatever piece you're looking at on your watch, not be the most reliable variable for you to be tracking while you're out there. Right. And, you know, we talk about going on feel all the time and effort and using like RPE. But I think really what I'm hearing here is that this metabolic test is going to give you a specific number in terms of really dialing down those specific heart rate zones for your particular body and how efficient you are at metabolizing food, right? Right. And I guess probably impacts based upon your training level, right? Mm -hmm. And how fit you are. Yep. Okay. Excellent. And so the Besides training zones, is there anything else that the metabolic testing kind of gives you or, or that's important to know or no? Is that the main kind of take home? Well, so I would say that's the main take home as far as like what, what someone can learn. You know, for me, it's really fascinating because I can look at somebody's test and tell them exactly how they train. Like, so I've, I've done well over 3000 tests. And so I can look at it and be like, Oh, you tend to train, you're a heavy zone three trainer, right? So like you, you push in that, that comfortably uncomfortable zone all the time. So you, you can even like when you do your speed workouts and whatever, like you're good at suffering, but you don't know how to run slow. You're really inefficient at running slow, 
and and so you actually have this tiny little zone too. So when I prescribe it, I usually do the five zone method because that's just what people are used to. That's what their watch uses, things like that. But so zone two is kind of where you want to spend the bulk of your time, right? And then zone four and five is is the rest of your time. And and I can tell like how you're trained, like do you spend most of your time in zone three or occasionally you'll find somebody that is like just naturally a zone two trainer, but then they don't spend any time in zones four and five. And so they wind up not being able to suffer very well. They have still a huge zone three and then these tiny zone four and five, because as soon as they hit anything higher intensity, it just drops off right away. They can't handle that. And so you can, you can see like those different people. I've had a few that are strictly zone four or five people, like that's all they do. <laughs> and so right. they read, they redline like right away, but then they can sustain that for like a ridiculously long amount of time. Uh, but they're super uncomfortable. It, it's, it's just interesting to see, like you can tell how somebody's training. So it lets you know, like, is your overall training like working for what your goal is? That's one of the biggest things we ask people is, like, is what you're doing matching what your goals are? And I would argue that a lot of people, their their fitness effort doesn't really match their fitness goal. And, and so that can always be frustrating for people because, you know, I think most of us work out to burn fat, <laughs> right? Like we want to look good, feel good. And, and that's maybe not the primary goal, but that's that's definitely part of it. You know, we talk a lot about like race training is not a good time actually to lose weight because you should be fueling yourself enough that that you're staying healthy that you're building up because you're trying to build yourself up and so like being able to use that metabolic information to dial in what they're doing with what they're trying to accomplish. I think that's the biggest take home and using that heart rate data is just a vehicle for, for doing that. Okay. I love it. How long does the test actually take and where can someone get this done? So, uh, there are testing locations all over the country. I would say you get what you pay for. It usually takes, so for me, our, our appointments at least take an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. So we really like, we do a long warm up. We, I, I'm very meticulous about kind of the protocol of how they come in fasting for the resting test and all these other, other things to, to make sure we remove as many variables as we can so that it's really like quality um, lab test. So that's the idea with the lab testing versus field testing or things like that. So when you test, look for big tubes hooking into the mask, not small tubes and the backpack style and stuff like that. They're just not quite as accurate at low flow. So like your resting test and high flow at that high, high end of intensity, they they're okay in the middle, but, but I would still argue like go with the more accurate more accurate systems. So look for big tubes and then you get what you pay for. So like a lot of colleges and universities will offer VO2 max testing, mm -hmm. but, but I would argue a VO2 max test isn't really what you're looking for anyway. That max number doesn't matter as much as the information in between. Cause you kind of know like what hard feels like. And, and so, you know, that's really how we should be training anyway is either low and slow or really high, high. 
right? And, and avoid that zone three stuff because it just doesn't help us progress. And so a test where we're just kind of testing the high end doesn't really give us as much info is, is one where we kind of see where those borders of that kind of low fat burn, moderate intensities are. And so like that's something if somebody wanted to reach out and say, hey, will you share the protocol with me uh, that you would use for, for where you're at? I'd be happy to share the protocols with whoever uh, you're going to get tested from. One of the easiest ways to find somewhere near you mm-hmm. is to go to the manufacturer of the equipment that I use. So core.com, K-O-R-R.com. Go to their website and they have a facility finder. And so you can find a location near you that does the testing. Uh, try to find one that has the, both a VO2 and VCO2 cart. So it'll test not just oxygen, but oxygen and carbon dioxide um, so that you can have that. With just the oxygen, you can't get your fat burn metabolism numbers. Go there, look at, find their facility finder and find somewhere near you. Like I said, if you want to reach out, um, definitely do there's a few questions that I would definitely ask, like, how do they do their protocol? How do they interpret the data? This is a big one. If they just say whatever your max heart rate was that you achieved during the test and then do a calculation of, you know, 40 or 50 to 60% is zone one, 60 to 70 is zone two, 70 to 80 is zone three. Don't use that information because you could have done that on your own just by running on the track, finding what your max heart rate is and calculating that out. If they do, if they do the same thing, but using the percentages of your uh, VO2 max, it's maybe a little better, but I would argue it's still percentages versus looking at your actual information and saying, okay, here's where it changed, right? There's the inflection point of zone two is done. Here's the inflection point where we bumped into zone four. Here's the inflection point where we're in zone five. There are clear like physiological markers that are like way deeper than this conversation. Yeah. But if they're not using, like we look at the graph and we break it down based on where those things happen. If they're just using percentages, then you can go get tested there, but send the results to me. I'll interpret them for you. How about that? <laughs> nice. All right. That's good to know. That's, that's yeah, very yeah. good to know. So it really gives you that more detail versus so the difference between from what i'm hearing the vo2 max will give you that max number that you're kind of redlining and then it basically estimates i guess based upon percentages probably right like here are the zones versus you actually determining for this specific person hey this is when they're changing from zone two to zone three and this is the point that they change from zone three to zone four okay i got it right awesome right And so this, like our heart rate, when we look at our heart rate, it climbs really slow, a slope kind of like this, right? Where the heart rate slowly climbs. A VO2 max test is meant for you to be done within 10 to 12 minutes. And so it's trying to get you to redline as fast as possible because that's where you're going to see your highest VO2 max number Mm -hmm. versus getting a a snapshot of the actual calories that you burn. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The slope of the, your heart rate line in a VO2 max test is like this versus what we do. It, like we're trying to get it just this slow increase so we can see like what's going on along the way. So our, our like our increments in between each stage are very small as we bump you up. Yeah. And theirs are like huge. They're trying to just max you out. All right. 
Excellent. And then, you know, if someone was looking to get um, at a testing center near them, like you had mentioned, what's the average cost of metabolic testing? Like just so yeah. someone doesn't get like, you know, hoodwinked sure. here. Right. So it, it's really variable. So like in LA, Chicago, some of the big cities, I've seen it as much as $450. And then in, you know, kind of everywhere else, uh, you go to your local university, you can get it for like 75 bucks. I found that it's, it's often not a great test there because they're, they're just giving you the raw data and it's like, here you go. Good luck. You right. interpret it yourself. They don't tend to have a program with that of like trying to post process the data. They'll just give you the raw data. Mm. So if you don't know how to break it down, that's not usually very helpful, but it's really cheap. And so, but again, they're going to do a VO2 max test. So you really do get what you pay for. We charge 300 for the first test and 250 for follow-ups. And like how I said, often do you recommend people follow up? So it, it, I, I recommend a minimum an annual, but usually a biannual if you're just kind of maintaining your fitness. If you're training for something specifically, like I'm gonna, I want to go like run a marathon. Uh, we usually do a like a ni- 19 to 20 weeks out, nine weeks out, and then race week tests. And so because we do, don't focus on the max portion of it too, we're not all out maxing during that test necessarily sometimes people will and that's fine but it's more about finding your zones uh and it's a self-selected termination of the test so when you're done we're done yeah i just let people push as hard as they need to want to during that test or race week to see like okay i've got my zones i'm good that i don't need to push it to the max right yeah once they kind of find zone four that's usually good enough just to make sure that they're dialed in for race day of where they want to be, how, how, how to attack like a hill or, you know, different, different things. When you have those zones dialed in, it kind of gives you some information. You can look at how many calories you should be replacing per hour and, and things like that for, especially for longer distance things like, uh, ultra marathons and stuff. So uh, that's again, we could get way in the yeah. weeds with how to do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's great. And it, it seems like it, it does help you from what I heard is if you were in this training cycle for a marathon or an ultra, number one, you're able to adjust your training during the actual mm-hmm. training, right? To adjust yeah. how your fitness is improving. Yeah. Yep. So you are change, you know, your zone should change and you're actually adjusting in real time to make your training even more effective. Mm-hmm. And then also from the um, fueling standpoint, I could see that being very beneficial. So yeah. kind of as we as we get into the final stretch here, Cameron, you've shared like so much good information. Um, this is going to be very, very informative for many runners out there. You know, the, the final stretch here, you know, it's the last question that we ask all our guests. You know, if you can change, you know, one thing about the misconception of running, um, yeah. what would that be? So... You know, I, I've been pondering that. So I know that's your, like your final question, probably that, that I guess that we overcomplicate everything and that it's as simple as load versus capacity that everything kind of boils back down to whatever our current capacity is, as long as we overload that by only just a little bit, we can grow that capacity. If we overload it too much, our capacity will drop or we get injured and we get injured, right? So like basically all training mistakes are just a load versus capacity problem. If I trip and fall running on the trail, 
my injuries come from loading my face too fast for what it could bear, basically, right? So if I laid down on the concrete, I'd be fine. But if my face hits the concrete, not so fine. Same thing with our training. Our running injuries and things like that just came because we loaded it up too much. It wasn't overuse. It wasn't poor mechanics. It wasn't blah, blah, blah. Like those things can factor into it somewhat. But it really is like, even with poor mechanics, if we apply that load slowly enough, your body can adapt to just about anything. And so it's really about load versus capacity and giving our body time to build its capacity up. And so it's, I guess that one misconception would be that pushing harder helps you more. It's more about being patient with yourself, living to play another day and just letting your body make those changes slowly, gradually over time. And that the metabolic testing just gives us really good uh, objective data on how to slowly allow that load capacity relationship to build so that we're not overloading and causing ourselves injuries, problems, breakdowns. Oh my goodness. I love, love that explanation, especially from someone who, you know, talks about loading like tendons a lot and yeah, like, like yeah. the whole goal that we're doing with that, that just made so much sense right. in terms of our training. And yeah. yeah, guys, this is, this is gold for you. So listen to Cameron, <laughs> you know, don't try to jump to the, the hottest, sexiest, you know, crazy workout yeah. um, that's out there and jump too fast to, you know, hard workouts. And we get a lot of novice runners like, well, when am I going to start like doing speed work? And it's right. like, well, you know, if we haven't built up the capacity yet, then right. I could right. give it to you. You're just going to get injured. So is right. that what you want? Or do you want to no. actually, you know, run? <laughs> right. Yeah. Build your volume first and then work on intensity. But like building that volume is the most important thing. Let your body adapt. And if you do that, it'll pay off huge dividends in the long run. Running, like you were saying with your with your client, running that 11-minute mile, as painful as that is mentally, <laughs> and I, I, I get it, I'm there, it, it's hard, but that bears so much. It, it's, it's like investing in the bank. Like you hate to see that money come out of your bank account. But when you go to retire, you'll be so glad you did. When you get to race day and your tank isn't empty, because you invested in all those slow runs. And so you have enough gas in the tank for race day. You will be so grateful that you had it. Yeah. And that, guys, that is like the secret sauce to, mm -hmm. you know, being successful in running and, you know, not only time wise, but health wise and doing it for longevity. So there's going to be many runners who resonated with your message, Cameron. And if they want to learn more about metabolic testing, or even if they get a metabolic test near them and they want you to interpret it, like where, you know, can our healthy runner community um, connect with you? Yeah. So, you know, our, our website, bodysmartutah.com, we just revamped our uh, metabolic testing page. So there's a page in there that explains all about the metabolic testing. So I put a, a series of videos on how to like, know what the results mean that you're getting and things like that. So we dive way deep into all those nerdy things that I just talked about and show you numbers and examples with, with different client cases and stuff. Um, so that's a great way, bodysmartutah.com. And then just click on the, uh, on one of the tabs at the top and it'll say metabolic testing. Then you can follow us, uh, body smart PT Utah on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all, all those things. So Cameron Garber or uh, Body Smart. 
and and Body Smart Utah is the handle. So, uh, so yeah, check us awesome. out on all those platforms. But uh, we love helping people in this way. It's it's so unique and different, but it really it's powerful. Yeah, and I'll definitely throw all those in the show notes. Um, all of those Perfect. links, um, Cameron. This has been very fun and educational. Like I learned a ton today. This is awesome. I, I really need to look into this more and I might need to follow up with a metabolic test of my own as we, uh, as we yeah. progress along in the running journey. So thank you for your time and sharing your expertise. My pleasure. Like I said, so educational. And thank you to the listener, whether you're listening now during your run or you know, you're watching this on the Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel. I appreciate all of you guys. If you like this episode, then you will surely like episode 135 on the Healthy Runner podcast in which we did a deep dive into heart rate specific training. So it was check so that good. out. Yeah, thank it was you, so man. Good. Thanks. Awesome. So as always, runners, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Until next time. Thank you. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library, and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted Healthy Runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, 
Subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash spark your training. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.